0: But sometimes when I eat too many biscuits, it makes me sleepy. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, you better wake up in this house today. <laughs> Pastor, I figure if we can't sleep, they can't sleep either. That's, right. That's exactly it. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to look at a couple of great fathers, one in particular by the name of Abraham. I wasn't planning on starting here. I actually told pastor before church, I said, I'm not going to get to the text until the end of the message, but standing over there while you guys were just singing a song, you referenced something that brought something to my mind that I think maybe the Lord will be pleased with. I'm going to read 21 scriptures, so that's why you're seated. So I'm I'm glad, you're glad you're sitting down too, aren't you? I'm not reading just to be reading, but this story is somewhat obscure. It's found in Genesis 15 and Sometimes it's it's overlooked as insignificant, but I believe it contains significance not only for then and not only for the course of the story and the context, but I believe it contains significance for us in 2023. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. Abraham said, Lord, God, what will thou give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not become that be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. He believed in the Lord. He counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of Chaldee, to give thee the land, this land, to inherit it. He said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? He said unto him, Take me a heifer three years of age, a she-goat of three years of age, and a ram of three years of age, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto them all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against the other, but the birds divided he not. And then the fowls of the air came down on the carcasses. Abraham drove them away. When the sun was going down, deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And God said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs, and shalt serve them, and they shall be afflicted 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come out hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces The same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying unto thy seed, I've given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. We'll end it there. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch us. God, anoint me to preach and anoint us to hear the good word of the Lord. Father, I pray that everything from you, that you would help us remember it and hold it. Anything that's not, let it pass quickly. God, give our ears, give our ears an attentive spirit. And give our hearts an openness to hear the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Abraham is one of my heroes, not to me only. He's a hero of all of the faithful. He was the first one in Scripture to be referenced as a man of faith. He was a man that in the New Testament, they said he called things that were not as though they were. It was Jesus that spoke of him and said, you reject his words and then you accepted, and now you reject me, but you will accept me. and You'll be like your fathers and you'll do the things that they have done. Prophetically, we watch as Abraham walked through life. Sometimes I see him walking through life doing things that make me proud and honorable things that make me wish I could emulate. And then there are other times that he does things that make me want to hang my head and even question God. What did you see in him? That was so special. And what was it about him that you handpicked him and you selected him? He wasn't living right, he wasn't doing right. He didn't have his might, he didn't have the pedigree or the heritage or the or the background. But God chose him. Can I just tell you today that I'm glad God doesn't depend on pedigree and background to choose us? I'm glad that he is not concerned with the failures. How many of you, especially us men today, how many of you remember ever failing your family? Or failing yourself? Or failing God? When I was a kid preacher some 40 years ago, there was a country song that came out, a country gospel song, and and it got on my nerves. It said, did it ever occur to you? Nothing ever occurred to God. Before I knew it, that song, it went to number one and you heard it all the time. Every time you found a southern gospel station, there was that song. Did it ever occur to you? Nothing ever occurred to God. And I thought, that's a dumb song. The words are right, it's just dumb. And it's silly that people are paying all this money to, to sing this dumb song. Now that may be your favorite song. I, I think some of you really like that song maybe. And if it is, I'm so sorry. But, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redeem myself maybe here because I was in a bad place. And I had done a couple of bad things, and there were things that I wasn't proud of, and I knew God wasn't proud of. And Pastor, you know, there were a few moments that I'd just as soon quit and walked away and said, let this be for someone else. But as I was driving one day, having somewhat of a pity party, that song came to my mind. And I heard, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to me? Did it ever occur to you that before I called you, I knew that you would mess it up? Did it ever occur to you that when you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew you and even there you were fearfully and wondrously made and I have stamped my image on you and I'm not going to turn you loose or let you go or reject you or cast you out over a few bad turns or over many bad turns and somehow... That old crazy song became a good song because it occurred to me that from the foundation of this world, God knew exactly what He was doing. For you parents, God gives us kids, and we look at them like, What in the world do you do with this thing? You feel inadequate, you don't feel like you ever do enough. But God knew before He fashioned any of this, that you would be their mother, their father, their pastor, their brother, their sister, their friend. God knew all of this in advance, and God has brought around you, God has selected, handpicked for you, the family, the friends, the church, the circles that you're in. And God did it all on purpose so that we could see the wonderful glory of God revealed Here we stand on Father's Day. And if there was ever a moment in time, if there was, I I know it's not the worst that it's ever been. Someone said a few days ago, we were in our tent meeting in Lexington, and they said, these are the worst days ever. I know what they're talking about. An old guy stood up and he said, I've never seen days like this. These are troubling times and wearisome times. And I just, I've never seen it on this fashion. And, And I know what he was talking about. But they came to the Apostle Paul one day and they were mumbling and grumbling and saying it's so bad. Things are so hard. It's difficult. You know the Democrats are in charge or the Republicans are in charge or the Independents are in charge and you know it's it's Pride Month and we've got people doing things and celebrating things that ought not be celebrated and, and here we are in the middle of all kinds of financial messes. But Paul looked at all of them in the middle of that and he just very squarely said have you suffered yet unto death? Have you suffered unto blood? Has your blood flowed? The fact is we grow weary in church over a change in color. We grow weary in the kingdom of God these days over a change in pastor. But Paul said, have you yet Laid your life on the line. It's time that we understand we have a faith that's worth living for and it's also worth sacrificing for and dying for if necessary. And God is raising up both men and women, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, to stand in the gap and be counted in this day as a child of God. Abraham called... God and anointed by God. We understand that when Jesus came, he did something that was, it was, it was just stupendous. It was miraculous, but it had never been done before. Suddenly, God and man were one. Jesus, as he lived and walked in this world, he walked Not just as man, but he was a man in whom God resided and lived. That's the miracle of Christmas. Behold, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He didn't say Jesus at that point. He said a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Christ the anointing. That moment that humanity joins with God and that the natural joins with the supernatural we understand that we are living examples of what it is like to have God inside well when Abraham started walking with God he was an idol worshiper he uh, he didn't know any of the stories that we know he'd never been to Sunday school he'd never heard our greater preachers preach so God had to just work in And when God was working him over, one of the first things he did was he changed his name. He said, you are Abram, which you're a good father, a great father. But I'm going to turn you into Abraham, and you're going to be a high father, a father of many nations. What God did is he added his name to Abram's name. He would do the same thing with Sarah. He would change her name from what it was and He would add His name onto the back of it. And suddenly, He was giving us an Old Testament example of a New Testament truth when God joined with man. I'm telling you today, the world is weary with church people that try to do it outside of the power of the Spirit of God. They are looking for spiritual men and spiritual ladies who are able to lead them not only to God but to show them an example of what it's like to have God Christ living in them I pray every day for our leaders I pray that God wakes Joe Biden up in the middle of the night and fills him with the Holy Ghost is it possible? you better believe it I pray For our Vice President. I pray for our Congress. God, fill them with the Holy Spirit. Not because I want them to just be like we are. I want them to know what to do next. I believe they are utterly confused. Confounded. Trying to do what they do. I wouldn't. Want to touch what they do. Trying to do what they do in their power, with their wisdom. In an hour of time when you don't need earthly help or earthly manifestations of wisdom. You need something spiritual. Abraham started walking. And the spiritual part of his journey quickly became clear. They would ask him, Abraham, where are you going? And he would say, I don't know. When are you going to get there? I really don't know. How are you going? He said, I don't know. All I know is I'm going to a city whose builder and whose maker is Almighty God. I'm going somewhere that I've never been and I'm leaving everything behind so that I can cast aside the weights of this life and join myself fully and completely to Him. I wonder how many of us have ever done that in our life. Oh, we got saved. We just didn't do anything. We came to the altar and prayed. It just never really changed us. We kept our name and we kept our residence and we kept our job. Sometimes God wants to change you from the inside out so that the world, your friends, your family can look at you and say, I want you to look what the Lord has done. You don't have to move away. You don't have to change your name. You don't have to change churches or change residences or any of that. All you have to do is say, I want God to become real. I want God to become large in my life. I want Him to grow big in me so that I can show forth His praise and show forth His glory and show forth His name. Abraham started walking. And in his journey, he got a lot of things right. But if you pushed him into a corner to save his life, he'd lie. I don't know how this worked out, but God gave him a son after he had a son in a way that he shouldn't have. Actually, according to the culture of his day, there was nothing wrong with what he did. It just wasn't God's plan. Can we agree that some things are accepted in the culture of our day, but they're not necessarily God's plan? Can we agree that some things are socially accepted? Some things, by popularity, by democratic vote, they're accepted. But I found out so many times God's not in the majority. Sometimes it seems like most of the time He wants to stand with the minority. He wants to stand with the outcast. He wants to stand with the rejected. He wants to stand with those who've been discredited and discounted and dismissed. He wants to stand with those who are lonely. And actually, one of His greater promises to us, He never said, I'll never let you see a bad day or have hurt, pain, or sorrow. But He said this, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I'll go with you all the way to the end of the world, to the end of the age. Church, we've all seen it. Folks come in and they say, Hey, I've been looking for this church all my life. I'm here for the long haul. Those words scare the daylights out of me. I, I, I've done this and i preached for 40 years this year. Pastored, when, when Dane and I resigned last fall, I pastored for 34 years. And, and I remember the first person that came in and said, God sent me here. And I'm going to be your armor bearer. And I'm going to stand by your side. And I promise you, three weeks later, they were gone. And not just gone, they were mad. I guess God didn't know that they'd get mad at me. I guess God didn't know that they wouldn't be happy with everything that the church did. I guess that caught... And Jesus addressed this. He said, here's brothers and sisters. He said, no greater love has this than any man, that he'll lay down his life. He won't just stand with you, go with you, but He'll lay down His life. We need men and women in the kingdom of God that will join themselves a lot. I like the quiet types. I like the kind that just, they don't have to call you and tell you they're coming. They don't have to make an announcement that they're there. They just show up. They just show up when the weight is heavy. They just show up when the warfare is intensified. They just show up when the darkness is as black and bleak as it can be. And they always have the strength. They always have the light. They always have the word that you need. That's what Jesus said. I want you to know that if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll walk through it with you. If you go to hell, David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there with me me God said I'll never leave you never forsake you that's our promise my my wife the job that she took it's in an attorney's office that deals with deadbeat dads deadbeat moms moms and dads that have children but they don't want to take care of them moms and dads that father them mother them and then all of a sudden they decide that it's someone else's responsibility and they're gone and they won't pay what they owe. They won't be there. I don't know how we ever expect them to pay a monthly child support when they won't even stand by their wife or the mother of their child. Come on. I don't know you, so don't think I'm being personal. I'm just talking about deadbeat people. I'm just talking about dads that should not be. And and sometimes we forget because we've now raised generation after generation after generation of parents who are chi- of children who are childless. Parents who thought it all right to walk away. I'm telling you, there was a time several years ago, it's been thirty five years this year, I looked at my wife and said, I do. And I did it at an altar. And at an altar it was a vow made to God. Now how many of you how many of you got married in church? Had a beautiful wedding and everything. I got married in church among a bunch of preachers and I had my wife's uncle there. He would, he would be with us in prayer and I had my pastor there and I asked my overseer, Brother Landreth, who had, who had been with you all in Pulaski to be there. And Brother Landreth, by this time he was in southern Ohio and he was, he may have been retired by this time, but we'd ask him to come back and just offer us communion and pray. And I promise you, he gets right in the middle of the prayer and gives a message in tongues. Among my Baptist relatives, I'm watching eyes get big and bold, and I'm thinking, well, this will be good. Now the interpretation, I knew he would interpret, you know, because he, he was the overseer. You know, they all have that power. So I thought, he's going to do the right thing. But boy, when he did, was it not good. I, I wrote it down. I don't have it. But he said something like, hell's getting ready to break loose. I looked at Dana and thought, what are you going to do? <laughs> He started talking about bad times, hard times, sorrowful times, troublesome times. And he went through what seemed like an hour it was, and it wasn't 30 seconds, but just talking about things. But he said, but God says I'll be with you. To be honest with you, I needed more than that at that moment. He said, God's going to be with you and and you're going to be alright. That's where I needed to hear. I needed to hear that things were going to be okay. What I didn't know is that in life, Married life, having children, you're gonna walk through troublesome times. The whole key to success, dad's good for moms too, but dad's especially the key to success is just hang in there. Don't leave. Don't give up. And when I stood there and said I'd do that day, I did it forever and ever until Jesus comes. I thought I'm not leaving her, but my dad did. Dad would leave mom on my on my ninth birthday. That's a fine howdy he do. Here's a bicycle, son. Bye. And you know what the devil did with me? He haunted me. My pastor gave me two words of advice. You always listen to what your pastor says and do what they say. Dan and I are sitting in his office, and he was old school. So our counseling was about twenty minutes. And here we needed 20 days, but 20 minutes worth of counseling. He said, two words, son. He said, don't get in debt and don't have kids fast. We were already in debt and hadn't even got married. They told us we'd have a hard time having kids. Dana had a few issues with endometriosis, something like that. And they said, you may never have kids. And I thought, well, that's okay. We'll adopt a child somewhere along the way. We were married in May. Jeremy was born in March. You're running the numbers. I told Dana, I said, if you deliver early, I, I've lost my job. <laughs> if this child comes early, any bit premature, I've lost it. So we were already in debt. Now we've got a baby. And the devil would tell me, you'll never hang around. You, your dad left, you'll leave. He walked out on you, you'll walk out on him. And I was telling a friend, a friend that just had his own baby just a few days ago. He's a great gospel singer and player. And he was sitting at the piano yesterday and he sent me a video. He's got this little kid that's about a week and a half old sitting between his legs. And he said, this is Rhodes' first piano lesson. And tears instantly came. I thought, that's what a dad does. They don't pawn them off on the mother. They don't pawn them off to somebody else. They hold them close and do the thing. And I remember, I told John, I said, on Jeremy's ninth birthday, I said, we were celebrating more than his birthday, it wasn't the fact that he. what mattered to me on his ninth birthday is that I'd hung around. I didn't leave. I didn't walk out. And from that point on, every time the devil lied, just kick him and say, hey, you're a liar and the father of all lies. Can I just stop and tell you the thing to do to be successful, whether it's as a father or whether it's as a pastor or whether it's as a mom or a worker, just hang in there. Things are going to get bad. It's going to Get tight. It's going to get rough. It's going to be hard. Do y'all have the red back hymnal? Don't have it? You told me you was modern. I, I didn't figure you would. Good. Then I can tell this and nobody can check it. There's a song. It's really not in there. I just act like it is. I think Tammy Wynette wrote it. Or she, at least she sang it. I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose. Y'all singing it. It must be in the hymn book. Along with the sunshine. There's got to be a little rain sometime. It it ain't in there, Pastor, but it sure ought to be. Somebody should have told us that. And as a matter of fact, somebody did. Jesus said, they hated me and they'll hate you. I don't know about you, but I don't ever claim that. I don't ever say, I want this one to be mine. In the Old Testament, the prophet said it like this. He brought me also up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock, and established my goings. I don't like any of that stuff. But he brings us up. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He's already told us life's going to be... Hell at times. But hang in there. Don't stop coming. Don't stop praising. Don't stop worshiping. And in the end, when it's all said and done, we win. Abraham was getting ready to see victories that he'd only dreamed of. As a dad, specifically, because it's our day. But as a dad, our kids sometimes want to emulate us. My dad and my grandpa, they wore in their hair. Now, now, neither of them had hair for long. It was a sign of things to come from me. I knew that it was an impossibility. This, this is thousands of dollars worth of Rogaine. It doesn't work. Scout massages. I had a beautician in our church in Chicago. Every Sunday night after service, she would bring an electrical torture device and she would put it on my head and the thing just it was a wonderful feeling it just tingled all over the top of your head until one of those little tentacles came off your head yeah you, some of y'all did the same thing and i would sit there and jump out of my seat the kids thought the holy ghost it wasn't the holy ghost she was trying to electrocute me I don't know why I said all that. Anyhow, my dad liked grill cream. My grandpa liked Vitalis. And I was a six-year-old kid in first grade with horn-rimmed glasses. It's a wonder I ever got married. Slick back hair. I smelled like somebody from the 50s. In 1975, 76, we had 50s day at our school. I didn't have to change a thing. I looked like the Fonz and smelled like him. I just wasn't cool. We want to be like our dad. When I first started preaching, I know different different churches and different people are heroes, but we had a hero in our church named T.L. Lowry. Is that familiar to anyone? Dr. Lowry, he had a voice, and he had a way of praying, and he had a way of wearing his hair. He, He had his hair slicked back straight back, so I wanted my hair to be just like that. Bought a black suit. First suits I had, J.C. Penney, black and blue, as a preacher. You just want, want to be like them. I wore fake snakeskin shoes until I could afford or find a pair. The snakeskin shoes weren't easy to find 40 years ago. But I found them and I bought a pair, Stacy Adams. And I wore the snakeskins until I could find the crocodile. And then I started wearing the crocodile shoes. These are just cheap nineteen ninety five. Hand-woven, whatever. But I wanted to wear them to be like them. I had a date Bible because I wanted to be like them. I didn't want the red burgundy one or the fake leather one. I wanted the black leather one like they had. And I found myself trying to copy them and emulate them. Isaac would go to the wells that his father dug. And I don't know why. The Scripture's unclear, Sister Sarah, as to why. he did. Maybe he was digging there because it was easy digging. Maybe it was heritage or tradition. Maybe he just knew that maybe there's water there. But Isaac started digging in the same place. Can I tell you that sometimes your kids are going to follow the same path you do? We won't know why. Sometimes it won't even make sense. But they will. And they'll dig the same place. The good news is when Isaac was in, I think it was a little more spiritual than we think because Isaac named them the same thing that his father named them. He called them the same thing. And as he was digging, the same water would soon fill that hole. Abraham would, would would be alone on the plains of Mamre, and three men would walk by. And he would say, come in and eat. And under the flap of his tent, in the cool of his tent, they would talk and tell him of things to come. His nephew Lot. He would also be in a, in a situation where he needed to bring men into his home and entertain them, and he would... It seems like that we follow those good examples, and I would, Pastor, in our, that they just followed the good examples, but sometimes they follow the other things. Abraham got in financial trouble and he put his wife's life on the line, and Isaac would do the same thing. Abraham lied. To get out of trouble, he lied. Isaac would lie. Not only would he lie, but I'll go a little deeper here. He would raise a child named Jacob. Who would be a deceiver? It's one thing to lie, to get caught in a moment, but to become a deceiver and a manipulator, it grew worse. They copied the good and they copied the bad. They followed his example. The good news is that as Abraham would stumble and fall, he didn't quit. Our general overseer at this time, his name is Tim Hill. Brother Hill is perhaps one of the greatest gospel singers that I've ever heard. Uh, I think he held one of his first revivals. Are you old enough to remember that? How old were you when he came? That, what's your thing? 17, goodness gracious, 18, 19. Wow. Brother Hill had a song. Brother Hill's written some good songs. Can I, can I just say, there, there's one song he wrote that just always bugged me though. He wrote a song about the coming of the Lord or the rapture, something like that. And it was kind of funny, but kind of serious. And I, it never went anywhere. Thank God it didn't. He said, you'll know we were right when we're gone. You'll know what we've been thinking of so long. For years you've been saying we were wrong, but they'll know we were right when we're gone. It's kind of like I'm going to heaven and you're not. And hallelujah, and when I get there, you're going to know that I was telling you. But that was, just one of, that was one of the early ones, back when you were 17. Then he wrote this. He said, like a hero, he was challenged to enter into the ring. And with the valor of a champion, he could take on anything. He bravely faced the warfare, but in weakness he went down. But he heard the crowd as they cheered so loud. And they said, fight one more round. He said, I don't claim to be a hero and I'm not very strong. I must have help from someone. I can't win this war alone. And when I feel discouraged and strength just can't be found, it's then I hear all heaven cheer. And they say, fight one more round. Just one more round. Can't stop now. Can I encourage you today? Just don't quit. Don't stop. You say, why are you saying that? I'm saying it because we just came out of two or three years of probably the worst of times for the church in my lifetime. And so many aren't going somewhere else. They're just not going. So many have not turned their back on the church. They've just turned their back on faith. And they don't get it at all. Dana and I are doing an operating mission It's not even open yet. We've already had 17 folks saved on the street. Yesterday morning, I'm I, I wasn't. i I'm moving in moving stuff out selling, giving, throwing stuff away and this woman walks in we don't have a sign up that says church she doesn't know that I'm a preacher but she comes in looking for an Ottoman wanting to pick up something I've got on the street and I said I'll, I'll give it to you just just take it and, and then she finds out I'm a preacher and she said I'll just tell you I don't like God I'm not trying to be sacrilegious but I look back at her and said he gets on my nerves sometimes too I say that with all respect, of course. She said, I tell you what. She said, he did us women a disservice. She said, we have to fight for everything. And she said, we're not strong like you are. She said, there's a difference. And and I I can appreciate that, a difference. And and yet I know that my mom, if I'm in a mess, I'd just soon call her as any six foot, five, four hundred pound muscle bound man that I know, because she's a scrapper. And she'll stay with me till the fight's over. So, but I got what this woman was talking about. And she started... She said, I don't know. She said, what kind of preacher are you? I said, well, I'm Church of God. I said, we're Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel. She said, y'all believe in, y'all believe in laying on hands." You know, most people say you believe in speaking in tongues. She said, you believe in laying on hands. I said, we do. She said, I don't. I said, okay. Good. I do. <laughs> she said, i tell you why I don't. She said, I've seen... A lot of people, and this was her words, flopping around on the floor, but nothing happened. And I just chuckled and I said, I guarantee you, I've seen a thousand times more people flopping around on the floor and nothing happened. I said, I've actually knocked a few down that flopped on the floor and nothing happened. (laughs) By this time, she's looking at me like I ain't never met nobody quite like you. And we talked for a minute. And then she said, but she said, I believe in God. So I'm curious at that point. You don't believe in me. You don't believe in flopping around. So what makes you believe in God? She said, because my daughter was 20 years old and God healed her. And then she looked at me. She said, I don't believe God heals everybody. I don't even know if He can. I don't even know if He I don't know if He's ever healed anybody else. But He said He she said He healed my daughter. And as I'm standing there, I said, six weeks from now, we start. I so said, we're gonna have dinner on Sunday night. Why don't you come? And she didn't even hesitate. She said, I will. She said, can I ask questions? And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, yes. And I guarantee you, she'll be there and she'll have a notebook. And that's okay. And I stood there thinking, she's leaning into experience. She's leaning into what she's seen. Some of it good, some of it not good. But if we can just stay together. Sarah, I thought then, I, I, her and I could call her name, I won't. But I thought, I love this woman. She's 65 years old, just got disability in full... So she's proud of those things and she shared so much in 10 minutes. And I thought, I am going to introduce you to the best friend that I've ever had who will be the best friend you'll ever have. And, and we may not be buddies and we may quarrel. I got a feeling she's a scrapper and we... But I'm going to introduce her to him. Because that's all that it takes. Once upon a time, her grandfather, my great grandfather, stumbled into a first Church of God camp meeting. Holiness, not Pentecostal, just sanctified people. He gave his heart to the Lord. They called themselves the movement at that time, they weren't a denomination. Peppa always told me, he said, when I joined the church, I didn't join the denomination, I joined the movement. And it's made me wonder if he ever really differentiated between where he got saved and where he ended up. And it, it really doesn't matter to me. But he came in contact with a friend. You see, Peppa would work on a horse farm as a teenage boy and the old guy that would end up he, he owned at that time the hamburg farm and if you come through lexington it's a huge shopping area now the old man john would come out and lay his elbow up on Pepa's shoulder Papa was as tall as me so this guy was huge and master johnny mr johnny would lay his arm on his shoulder and he bumped into Pepa one day and he said can you build a barn Pepa said yeah he said, can you build it out of stone? He said, yeah, he'd never built anything. But because he bumped into a man that asked him if he could suddenly, he rose to the challenge and he did what he couldn't do. And somehow, he bumped into a man that said, why don't you come to camp meeting with me? And he came. And his life was changed. Mom talks about when she was little, she went with him everywhere. He'd go to meetings and she'd walk to church and go to meetings with him. He'd sing in a choir. You, you correct me if I'm wrong, but he'd sing in a choir and she'd be on his hip. Learning to sing. Because someone bumped into him. Someone asked him. And it was something that simple. It wasn't spiritual. It wasn't an evangelistic thing. It was just something so simple as, why don't you join me for church? And they came and his life was changed. So many of us are here today just because God brought someone across our path. I'm thinking about dads today. I'll close with this quickly. but. My grandpa, I didn't know it, when w- before I was born, just a few months before I was born, Papa wasn't in church. But I think he realized, I'm getting ready to have a grandson. He was only 38 years old. I'm 58, still no grandchildren. I told my son the other day, who's 34, 30, I, I said, you realize by the time I w- my papa was my age, I said, I was, I was uh, a sophomore in college. What I was saying was, get busy. I told someone the other day, I said, my kids are so ugly, I said, I don't think they'll ever get married. I said, they're just pitiful looking, so I'm going to just farm them out here eventually because I want grandchildren. In May of 1965, my grandfather was sitting about where you are. We only had two rows, two sections in our church, and he was sitting here against the wall. I'm sure he didn't want to be seen I'm sure being that close to the front was much out of his comfort zone. But he was there. And uh, there was a man preaching. His name was Bill Mahaffey. Bill Mahaffey had been a World War II vet. He'd, Bill, Bill had been contacted by God in a foxhole in France. And if you want to get in touch with God, Brother Mahaffey would say, climb into a foxhole with bullets flying above your head and you'll get in touch with God. And in that foxhole pastor, he said to the Lord, he said, if you'll bring me out of this, if you'll bring me home safely, I'll give my heart to you and I'll live for you and I'll do whatever you have me to do. And his words, he said, when I got home, he said, I quickly forgot the promise, quickly forgot my commitment. He said, I started drinking, carousing and running around on my good wife, his words. But he was walking down Limestone Street, Lexington, Kentucky, a rough end of town. And his wife, Catherine, had a mission inside one of the little storefronts. And one Saturday night, he heard her talking about the grace of God. And he said, I fell on the floor, fell on the street, and accepted Jesus and accepted the call. What's it got to do with this? It has to do with this. He stood in our pulpit some years later and sang, when the Savior reached down for me. He had to reach way down from me. I don't know how it happened, but the story goes, Pap didn't come to the altar and he didn't go all the way back, but they met in the middle of the aisle. And my grandfather gave his heart to the Lord. Three months later, I'd be born. It's bad when God has to save you because of what's coming. It's sad when He has to get you in church because of the heathen that your daughter's getting ready to have. And I had the best Pap ever. He loved me. He cared for me. You made Him. He, he was just good. He was happy all the time. But it all happened because of a chance meeting. Being in the right place at the right time. Could it be that God truly orchestrates everything? Could, be, could it really be true that the steps of the righteous man and even those yet to be are ordered of the Lord? Could it be that Abraham, when he was going to a city whose builder and whose maker was Almighty God, could it be that God had him in the palm of his hand the entire time? Could it be that God does work all this thing out if we just keep walking and stepping and going forward? Abraham would live his life, he would do all that God called him to do, he would be faithful and he would be committed. Live a life that's worthy of emulation. Live a life that somebody will do well by copying. As a pastor, I was a broke record for many years. Whether it was counseling or preaching or just giving a little advice. What do I need to do? You need to pray. You need to fast. You need to read the word. You need to worship. And I guarantee you, everything else will be okay. So men of God, women of God, people of God, what do we do to win this battle? We pray. And we fast. And we worship. And we just stay together. We hold on. My old pastor, William H. Morgan, there were very few Sundays, very few sermons would ever go by that he wouldn't get happy, shouting happy, And say, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. But I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, and not me only, but all them also that love His appearing. Hold on. Would you guys come? Would you stand all over this room? grills are already turned on all over this community. Dinners are waiting. I don't want to disrupt any of that. To be honest with you, I don't think God does either. For you dads, He wants you to be celebrated and honored. And everyone else just gets to enjoy. But at 11.56, I want us to pray that God would touch us, that He would use us. You guys, you live here all the time. I know you know it's pretty, but as I was driving through here this morning, it's not just pretty. It's beautiful. My new friend Scott, you he, he, sh- he pointed out a mountain. He said, the prettiest view is right here. Look at that mountain. He called the name of the mountain. He said, you, you've probably been through its tunnel. I said, is that the one on the way to Whitwell? He said, Yeah. I've been in it many times, just never saw it from here. It's a lot prettier from the top. You guys see all of this and sometimes we take for granted what's around us, but you live in a most beautiful spot, surrounded by beautiful people. Be an example. Pastor, I, I appreciate what you said about some folks being gone and out. This is a beautiful crowd. It's a beautiful group. Young folks, some of us that well, we ain't so young anymore. Some of us have many years to live, and some of us may be home soon. I didn't always know this, but He is faithful. He is faithful in everything, every day. So Father, in the name of Jesus, thank You for my friends, and thank You for this place. Thank You for Pastor N.R. and Sarah. God, I thank You for their leaders and these great folks that gather around them each Sunday and through the week and through the days. God, I ask that You use this house, that You bless it. God, that You anoint everything that's done here. And let let this place not just be a church on a hill, but let it be the proverbial city set on a hill that shows forth the light of God. Let us be a lighthouse. Let us be a house of love. Let us be a house of lifting so that people will know that when they're hopeless, when they're out, when they're empty, that there's a place they can come. And God help us as the men of this house to to stand up, to rise and stand up to the challenges of this hour. We're not going to be silent. We're not going to be backed down. But we are men and women strong Warriors of God who are eager for the fight. So send us out. Anointed. Empowered. As was Christ. Go with us. Bless us. Lead us. Guide us. Direct us. And we'll never fail to give you praise. In Jesus' name. Pastor, would you come? Would you make your pastor welcome as he comes? God bless you today. I love you and thank you. Thank you. Thank you.